folks, good evening. You're tuned in to CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca. And uh, my name is Rue. I host CFRC's Yellow Bridge Road, CFRC's British and Irish music show. You're tuned in here on the Queen's campus um, on this wonderful Sunday evening. And I think that song should be indicative of what's coming up on tonight's show because we've got a really busy show tonight. As per the remit of the show, obviously we are going to be playing tons of uh, brand new British and Irish music that's always on the cards. But then sometimes we also like to throw things back a little bit and that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. And that's also why I I threw on this one little track. It's a slightly older one. It's, um, I'm guessing, one that you haven't heard before unless you are either a listener of this show or a keen follower of Welsh music. Either of those is a great thing to do. Um, that was a bit of Topper uh, with their song, Something to Tell Her. And this was off a compilation of sort of their best uh, music that they released after the band were done and dusted. They called it the best of the worst in Welsh. Um, and the thing about this band is that they were amongst uh, a number of bands that popped up in the sort of mid to late 80s to 90s and who were making music all over Wales in the Welsh language. Uh, this particular song was in English, but a lot of their other songs were in Welsh. And, uh, you know, there was this whole scene that just began popping up in Wales that was just, you know, the product of the last 20 years before that of sort of advocating for the Welsh language. And then, you know, it saw ups and downs in being current and then seeming really redundant and outdated and full of only, you know, protest music and folk music and like harps and everything. And when the kids were ready to make this music cool again, to bring in the guitars and the synthesizers, this is sort of what they ended up sounding like. And one record label that was very, uh, that was sort of at the heart of a lot of that music was like uh, an independent label that started out in Aberystwyth, Mid Wales, called um, Angst Records. And, you know, I'm a big fan of theirs. I've played and loved a lot of the music that they've recorded and put out. And I'm not alone in this because so have people like John Peel, who was a big fan of theirs. But uh, their founder, well, there were three founders of this uh, label uh, who co-founded uh, the label out uh, back in uh, Aberystwyth University, the University of Wales, as it was then known, um, they founded this label, so it was just a student label that got started and then just became such a key part of Welsh music. And uh, one of the three co-founders, Emir Glyn Williams, died earlier this week. And so I just thought today was the sort of day that we should throw it back, allow ourselves to just listen to some of that wonderful music from the 80s and 90s. And this was this was an indicator. We'll have more cool bands like that coming up on the show but um, before we do that, I do have some brand new music just to kick us off and, you know, get us all started. And I have some music by um, the the Libertines who have a new album coming out. The album's coming out on the 8th of March. It's going to be called All Quiet on the Eastern Esplanade. It's their first album since 2015. So at this point, that's like almost a decade, nine years ago. Uh, the last album, Anthems for Doomed Youth, was uh, their third album. This is going to be their fourth one. It's almost surprising to me that, you know, the Libertines have such an outsized influence on at least British music, you know, and maybe sort of indie music and Zero's music in general. But they only have three full albums out and only two of those were released in the Zero's, uh, you know, Up the Bracket and the Libertines. Um, so 
we're, we're all excited for this album. They have a brand new single off of it that they've just released called Shiva. And Kal Bharat said that Peter had a song and I had a song and we mashed them up together and collaboratively, collaboratively made this song. And Pete said, I, would, I probably would find it difficult to work uh, to work out who did what because we were both there the whole time and it really should have been called The Last Dream of Every Dying Soldier, which is also quite quite a libertine's um, title, to be honest. But everyone liked the title Shiva, he says. And there are references to the Queen somewhere on this, uh, somewhere on this song as well. Pete uh, spoke about how... Shiva references the band watching the funeral of Queen Elizabeth while recorded the al- while recording the album in Jamaica, and he said it was really strange. We were in this glass cubicle on a hilltop during a full-on hurricane, just watching the funeral, not really knowing what we were feeling. And you know, she she is mentioned in in a line uh, on the song, so listen out for that. Uh, and of the album itself, the band say all we want to do is write beautiful songs. That's what we've always wanted it wanted to do. But we've got distracted, mostly by ourselves. True lines never spoken. On this occasion, we followed the pattern of writing songs that we believe in, but there was nothing else to say. No fanfare, no cacophony. This is the album we're proud of. So you can find it at thelibertines.com. We'll be listening to the new song Shiver. And then I also have a brand new single by the Yorkshire band English Teacher. They've announced their debut album. This could be Texas. It's going to be coming out on the 12th of April. And that is a very intriguing title. This could be Texas. What else could it be? Why Texas? Um, but uh, talking a little bit about the album, uh, singer Lily Fontaine said, I want this album to feel like you've gone to space. And it turns out it's almost identical to Doncaster. It's about in-betweeners. It's about home. It's about desire paths. And uh, the new single that they've just released is called Albert Road. And Lily said of the single, when people ask where I'm from, I usually say I'm mixed race. Half Yorkshire, half Lancashire. Um, it allows me to divert with comedy from the potential connotations of that question, which change wildly depend on who, depending on who's asking it. One end is Albert Road in Colney, which is a hometown. It's cold, underfunded and uninspiring. The other is a warm night with live music. It sums up, sums up how I look back on the place I've lived in for 19 years. You can find the album um, on their Bandcamp page, englishteacher.bandcamp.com. I'm very excited for it. So we'll be listening to those two songs and then we'll come back and we'll have uh, a lot more great music. This is Shiver by the Libertines. We are here live on CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, Yelbert Road, we are getting through some brand new releases that have just come up in the last week or so. And we heard, uh, obviously, Albert Road, English Teacher, and also the Libertines with their brand new song, Shiver. And then we have had a few more uh, brand new releases uh, from a variety of different genres. We've had some new music from Nia Archives. The genre-bending producer is back with a brand new song, and she's tackling the contradictory isolation of being in a crowd 
Um, the song's called Crowded Rooms. And, uh, and she says, I feel so lonely, especially in crowded rooms. It's a facade. My persona is my costume. No one to turn to. They don't understand my blues. I feel so lonely, especially in crowded rooms. You can find this brand new track on uh, Nia Archives' SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com forward slash Nia hyphen archives, uh, and you'll find it on there. And then we have some brand new music from Yard Act. It's funky, danceable. Um, it's just such a good, fun track. And if you feel like it sounds like a pop hit, that's because it is called We Make Hits. And um, it's going to be on their upcoming album, second album, Where's My Utopia, follow up to... Um, Two years ago, three three years ago now, uh, it was wonderful uh, uh, overload, and um, the band are really just embracing making hits on this album. I mean, it's a very self-explanatory song. They just say it's a note to friendship and the unfiltered joy you feel when you're making music with the people you hold dear in your life. It's just um, James Smith and Co. making music that sounds wonderful, and and now they make hits. Uh, you can find that um, as well everywhere. You can find Yard Act and also on their Bandcamp page, yardact.bandcamp.com. And then we have some new music out of Scotland. Cowboy Hunters have a brand new song called Body Parts. And, uh, you know, it's the Scottish band returning with a spacey, glam, punky new song. Uh, sort of on the cost of living, talking about selling kidneys because I've got two, but I only need one. Find that at cowboyhunters.bandcamp.com. Uh, Let's listen to a bit of Nia Archives. This is Crowded Rooms. I feel so lonely, especially in crowded rooms. Very glam. Uh, that was a bit of Cowboy Hunters, Scottish band with their song Body Parts. Uh... Uh, equally bleak as it is funny. Um, we also had some music from uh, Nia Archives, Crowded Rooms, and Yard Act. Yard Act, we make hits. If you notice in there, the very last line of that song says, if it's not a hit, we were being ironic. Well, I'm pretty sure this is a certified banger and a, a stone cold classic and a hit. I, I give Yard Act permission to call this a hit. It's a great song. Um, and we've got some more uh, brand new releases coming up soon. Um, and then after that, you know, we'll we'll talk a bit more about Welsh music, which is what we have been, uh, as I teased at the top of the hour, we are going to be talking a bit about uh, bands that were on Angst Records. But uh, first, I have some music from Idols who've just put out. Well, they've been putting out a few new singles of late. First one was one that they did with LCD Sound System. Again, super uh, dancey and catchy. Um, that was... Um, all coming up on their new album, Tank, T-A-N-G-K, Tank, which is going to be out on the 16th of February, a brand new album. And we have a new song, um, uh, we have a brand new release of that album called uh, Gift Horse. And I'm looking at the um, credits for this particular track, produced by uh, Nigel Godrich, Kenny Beats. So, you know, big expectations from the album, uh, you know, some people like idols, some people don't, whatever it might be. If they're for you, you can find them at idolsband.bandcamp.com. Um, and then we're going to have a, a couple of more uh, tracks. Uh, Cassiette, uh, the pop metal uh, musician, uh, has come out with a brand new song of hers called Why Am I Like This? 
Um, so we'll be listening to that. And then lastly, I have a new release, an artist who is going to be on our show pretty soon. Might be next week, might be the week after that. You know, that's how dynamic things are in radio that I don't know yet. But it's a band all the way over, uh, a band from over long distances, shall we say. They are called Long Distances. They're from uh, out in Chennai in India, south of India, my hometown actually. Um, and they've just put out their first um, their first EP. Uh, they've put out a new EP called How the Mighty Will Fall. Just came out this Friday. Um, and, um, you know, they. It's I first heard their song, um, uh, which one was it? Um, but uh, they have just this wonderful kind of 80s, slightly dark, slightly cure-inspired, jangly, wonderful sound. I heard their song uh, Delicate Surrender a couple of months ago, and I've just been a fan ever since. And I want to play us the song Skin to See. And, you know, they're playing at uh, India's second-ever Lollapalooza Festival in Mumbai this weekend, uh, next weekend. And so, you know, that's a pretty big deal and everything. So we'll be talking to them about that, about the new EP, about music in and around the city um, and in the country. So, you know, stay tuned for that. I'm very excited for it. Uh, about the EP, they said that it's their first uh, exploration of their own sound. Catchy and gritty guitars, juicy synths, driving bass, pounding drums and dreamy vocals, which is just the perfect form. Like, you, you've just used all the words that are going to have me absolutely hooked. So they say, to us, these are not songs that ex that exist as an escape, but are in dialogue with the world we live in. The EP will take listeners on an emotional journey that explores themes of loss, longing, disappointment, grief, acceptance, and resistance. Um, so we'll be hearing that song, Skin to See. It's one of the EP, which is called How the Mighty Will Fall. But uh, first, let's have this brand new song by Idols, Gift Horse. We'll be right back. there from um from long distances a wonderful band from out of chennai they've just put out their ep uh um it's called how the mighty will fall folks we are back here on cfrc 101.9 fm and as i did say actually let me just remind you of what we heard we had some idols some cassiette some long distances and as i was saying before we are going to be talking a bit about angst records because we are paying tribute to emmett glenn williams one of the three co-founders of the welsh alternative music label angst records he died earlier this week and angst which is truly at the heart of the emerging alternative music pop culture scene in wales particularly the part of it making pop music in the welsh language um Angst was more a labour of love, honestly, in the face of a burgeoning independent pop music scene that wrote in Welsh, often bilingually too, and ditched the harps and, you know, the folk music for rock guitars, electric guitars and keyboards and synths, loud sounds. And they released it all to muted and sometimes even hostile reception from broader Welsh culture. So this label was started in 1988 by three students at the Aberystwyth University of Wales, Alan Llwyd, Griffiths Jones and Emmer Glyn Williams. The label paved a way for cool alternative kids in the heart of Wales to be putting out releases that will be heard across the country and even over in England. And while they and their artists were sometimes discouraged at a Stethwards, um, you know, traditional Welsh music competitions, and once even were sent a reprimanding letter, letter by S4C, the Welsh Channel 4, and TV broadcaster when uh, they released a compilation album titled 
S4C makes me want to smoke crack. They did, um, in spite of all that and the sort of stern looks they got uh, from some of that stuff, they did inevitably change the face of Welsh culture. John Peel loved them and would play their artists more regularly even than broadcasters in Wales. And S4C in the 90s would end up coming around to them and ended, ended up commissioning and recording music videos that launched the careers of many of these artists, especially um, on their new music program that was commissioned in the late 80s called Video Now, Video 9. And these artists and angst would lay down the foundations for the explosion in Welsh music in the public eye that was to follow in the 1990s called the Cool Cumbry scene, which was sort of, you know... Named so because it was meant to be like a regional follow-on from uh, cool Britannia and all the Britpop stuff once that had kind of died down and become less exciting. Um, not a label that a lot of bands in Wales maybe agreed with, but that was what the the uh, the English media, often, you know, magazines like Enemy and Melody Maker would end up calling them. Um, it's sort of stuck, I'm not sure. They tried to bring it back as Cool Company 2.0 a little while ago. Uh, but it's 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 a name. It's just a name. Um, but the label and its bands began to grow, and you know because they had such a massive influence on uh, on the music and the culture, they they got a little bigger, and the bands on it, some of them started to gain um, major label attention and a lot of success. Bands like Super Furry Animals, Catatonia went on to be on major labels. Gorkies as well ended up signing to larger indie labels. So as the bands grew. The uh, angst, the label split into two units. One, there's, there's this weird static in my headphones and I hope you can't hear that. But um, the label um, then split into two parts. One became the management that, uh, you know, was taking care of the like management side of things for larger artists. And um, the other side was the label side of things, uh, which was run only by Emir, who was uh, solely in charge of angst music as the label began, began to be called. So we're paying a tribute today to a man who was driven by a love for music and who helped change the Welsh music landscape forever and brought us some of the bands that we know and love even today. I'm going to start off with some music by Goki Zygotic Monkey. Uh, they were one of the bands that set the blueprint for the independent Welsh bands. Uh, they were a group from Carmarthenshire in south of Wales. They would go on to become one of the best known of the Welsh cool Cymru bands in the 90s. Uh, Gokis began releasing music very independently. I mean, uh, by they you know just made their own cassettes and tapes, as many of the bands did at the time. And by the time Angst signed them, they already had three albums out. They were almost folky, but psychedelic, very psychedelic. And as time went on, the band added uh, singer and vocalist, uh, singer and keyboardist Eros Childs' little sister, Megan Childs, also on the violins, completing their signature sound, which you can hear on excellent songs like Patio Song and Spanish Dance Troupe. And Goki has really just raised the bar for independent Welsh releases, you know. They weren't scrappy sounding and all that, even though they were recordings done uh, on, like, a student budget. And I think that really inspired a lot of other bands to really raise their game. Um, but the song that I'm going to be playing us today is from a compilation CD, a CD that Angst put out called The Introducing CD. And it got inter international distribution. And eventually, it reached our radio station here. We received it in September 1996. Uh, and it came out through Mercury, which was where they were signed by that time. But, um, you know, original release by Angst. So I'm going to be playing a song off of the CD that I really love. It's called Merched and Gwashle Gilith, or Girls Doing Each Other's Hair. 
We're going to listen to that song and then I'm going to play a few other bands that were on the label as well. A band called Tanal Tawish, who I have played on the show before. We'll play something a bit more indie rock, almost jangle pop in the vein of the Smiths. Uh, this song is called Happy Snaur. And the thing with Angst was, especially in the early years, their motive was never to sign to was to never sign two artists who sounded the same. So that just meant that their roster was very diverse and had a lot of different musical sounds coming out from different parts of Wales. Uh, so we listened to this song, Happy Snout, which was off of their 1988 cassette, because Anx largely did cassettes and uh, to, an, to a smaller extent CDs. Um, but this cassette, released in 1988, was called Slow Dance Ever Yesi, or Slow Dancing with the Christ. So we'll listen to that. And then lastly, I want to throw in some Catatonia for this set. Obviously, Catatonia, one of the big explosions, one of the big successes of Welsh uh, 90s, of Cool Cymru kind of music. Um, they released their first ever single, Wales. Well, like Wales, like the like the, the mammal, the fish, and not Wales, the country. But they released a Welsh version of that single, which was their first ever single. Um, the English version came out on Rough Trade, but uh, this Welsh version was released on an angst compilation album called uh, Triskaidellefilia, uh, and it was a tape of sessions that uh, that was right at the top of you know like the Welsh rave scene, and a lot of these bands recorded these versions, um, and you know the scene through a band like Super Furry Animals, who we'll talk about later. But uh, Catatonia's version is quite indie rock, so we'll we'll start off by listening to some Gorkies first. Merched and Ed here on CFRC. Welcome back, folks. Uh, you are tuned into CFRC 101.9 FM. We've been listening to some Welsh music on air. All the bands that you just heard. All the bands that you just heard have been bands who put out uh, singles, releases, cassettes on Angst Records, the Welsh record label that was so uh, crucial to sort of the alternative scene developing in Wales in the late 19, in the late 1980s and 1990s. Um, what you can hear behind me is a little bit of uh, T. Guidir, who were um, a band um, who recorded sort of in 89 and 90, and um, they have a pretty cool video for this song just featuring key moments from sort of the 1980s and 90s, everything from the release of Nelson Mandela and um, Welsh movements as well. So very political band. So there were bands that brought about all these different um, different influences. Tiguider on the more kind of electronic side of it. But we'll get into bands that were actually significantly more hip-hop as well. Um, I think we're going to start off with playing a little bit of Ectogram on the, the next set. Um, Ectogram, Welsh band from the 90s, 
who I think were described by most people who listen to their music as a force of nature. Um, they recorded a, a compilation album called uh, Singular. It's an album of uh, vinyl-only singles that they released, and um, this was sort of between '94 and '97 on Angst, amongst other labels, and. And in a very different vein from this particular song by T. Kuidir called Rio uh, Deeth or um, Someday, Another Day, um, uh, it was quite uh, experimental and sort of demented, as it was described, uh, with uh, singer Anne Matthews' voice just you know, g- calmly going over all the madness beneath. Um, just to remind you of what we heard, though, we had a little bit of uh, Tanal Tawesh. That was the last thing we heard. Happy now a lot more jangly and uh, sort of uh, calm and, you know, Smith-like almost. And then we had before that some Catatonia, uh, you know, who kind of achieved mainstream success uh, over the coming years. But this was their first single, uh, uh, Whale, recorded in Welsh's Gwe. And uh, we had a bit of Gorky Zygotic Monkey, who around I absolutely love. Um, and then after Ectogram, we're going to be playing a bit of Vega Neves, who were uh, an indie rock band from Karadigion in North Wales, formed in 98 as two 12-year-olds. And, you know, they released two albums uh, in the 90s, toured with bands like Tony and Super Furry Animals. They ended up later on changing their name to Big Leaves because they played a show in Amsterdam once and the show promoter misheard their name as Big Leaves and it just kind of stuck. They were very cool. Their debut album, which was uh, called Puisin Galu, Who's Calling, had this incredible Queen influence on it, just with like cool riffs and stuff and just stacked vocals like Bohemian Rhapsody, for example. Song about uh, the mythical city of Gwynedd and its prince Saithenin, which is uh, what the title of the song also is. Um, so we're going to be listening to uh, this song of theirs, which was off of a 92 cassette release that they did on Angst called Ayr, um, called um, Air in Welsh. Uh, it was back from when they were still known as Beganeves. The song is called Hair, or Challenging, and it's indie rock with a funkier touch to it. And then lastly for this set, we're going to hear a little bit of uh, Tastion, a band whose name means Witnesses, from their first EP, Toys. It's called Bill uh, Arabrusion, or Living on the Crumbs. It's uh, another one from the funkier end of the emerging hip-hop scene in Wales. Um, and um, Griff Meredith, who was uh, one of the MCs in the duo, in the band, uh, would, the duo would go on to shine equally brightly as uh, uh, MC Mapon in the next decade. Um, the band were also favourites of John Peel's. Uh, both Tastion and MC Mabon did Peel sessions. Um, so just showing you another, you know, another one of the different aspects of the youngster roster. Along with again bands like T. Guider. So we'll listen to those bands and then we'll be right back. Here's a bit of ectogram to get you started. Elliot's Violet Hour. Uh, 
Tastian and, Br- and Bill at a Brussel. Um, Tastian with a bit of their song, um, which roughly translates to Living on Crumbs. Um, in, uh, we had some more Welsh music, just showing you all the different stuff coming out of Angst Records because their founder, uh, co-founder, one of the three co-founders, um, uh, Emir Glyn Williams, just died earlier this week. So we had a little bit of ectogram with their crazy sound out there. Mega Neves or Big Leaves here and then some Tustion. In the background, you can hear a bit of Super Furry Animals and, you know, their sort of classic launch pad spacey sound. Um, uh, I, I have so much more to play, but obviously we don't have all day. So I'm going to I'm gonna end this set with a bit of uh, that Blurgy. I'm going to play some that Blurgy Am. Um, I mean, that Blurgy was probably one of the best of the 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 angst lot uh probably john peel's favorite ever band he had them in for more sessions than bands like the smiths in new order so that's saying something and um they really captured that sound of you know just making their own cassette tapes david R. edwards on his diatribes uh talking about all uh, everything everything in wales and he was never happy with any, with any of it so everything got panned equally um, so we'll listen to that and I think that might be the last one I'll have time for and then I got to speak to uh, Chris Barry the singer from 39 Steps uh, the 222s Montreal's first ever punk band and you know we had a very long chat so I've brought us a, sh- a short clip about like 15 to 20 minutes of the interview just so you can digest all the cool stuff that he's talking about so we'll listen to that and that'll probably be the last thing you'll hear from me this week so stick around for all that and I will see you all next week. I mean, um... For, for, for better or worse, one of my favorite types of journalists to read were the people who clearly wanted to be playwrights but ended up as journalists. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, like I say, you know, I, I mean, you know, as a kid, uh, you know, that I mean, that's basically how you found out about bands, right? Was like, wasn't on the radio. Well, most of the things that they played on the radio, I, I didn't really, I didn't like. It was very little interest to me. So you'd find out about bands like, say, you know, the Ramones or, you know, or, or and going earlier, the New York Dolls, the Stooges, all this stuff was really just in magazines, you know. And there was some ex- and there was some excellent uh, uh, writing in there for sure. Like, I mean, Lester Bangs comes to mind, but you know, Lester, it's Lester Bangs that that got me interested in Lou Reed. You know, and oh, yes. stuff like that. Just and it was a lot of his writing. You know, just because he was just so good at it and taking the piss out of Blue and everything. So, <laughs> whatever. so. yeah, I mean, I, I guess Lou was also just one of my favorite interviews to read. I, I don't know why it was, but there was this one time when he said something in an interview, like, it's always morally right to to like lie to a journalist, and that remains my favorite interview bit ever. Right, right. Yeah, there's those ones I imagine you've seen on on YouTube. There's when he's in Australia at the airport, and uh, yeah, there's there's two of them. There's one in '74, I think, and another one from '75 or '76. And both times, you know, that's Lou Reed. You know, he's, he's had a quick wit for sure. So it's very, uh, you know, pleasant, fun, fun to see. Although it would be sucked to have been that journalist, but. You know. Well, I always stood up. I always, I mean, I never took shit as a journalist. Like, I don't care. So what? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So what? Uh, you know. Anyway, yeah. you've seen both sides of it. Yes. But like as a musician, I think um, I've got the record actually, the one that we found. Um, now I think it's been used so much that the dates of being received have kind of rubbed off. But I think it was sent us sent to us in either eighty six or eighty seven. It's yeah, it would have yeah that one. Um, yes, that record. That one sort of came out at at, at the last minute. Most of it was recorded in eighty five. Um, Half those songs had come out originally on a on a DIY uh, EP, which I and think I also actually, found. I was looking in our archives yesterday. Basically, our station is the oldest campus station in the country, so we have a lot of records going back. Was right, right. That, yeah, yeah. That's yes. That was the that was the first one that came out, and it did. You know, it did surprisingly well. Um, I mean, it didn't hurt that we you know that it came out around the same time that we were in the movie. Yeah, but. Um, it uh you know i don't know i think i think they sold like 10,000 of them which was quite a lot back then with you know based shitty distribution especially in the states and then it then it, then it was released properly in germany and a few countries in europe but um what happened with that one it's like you know because it we didn't have uh major label distribution or anything like that it didn't get the as much attention as it might have so um we just did a very quick deal to re-release it with the new cover, which I never liked that cover. But anyways, uh, our, our glam cover. <laughs> um, but maybe because you don't notice me enough. <laughs> anyway, but um, and so we just yeah, so we so that came out. We had a we did a video for the song "Slip Into the Crowd" or at the same time, and it went out through RCA. Uh, so it did have proper distribution and all that stuff, but only in Canada. And at the time when it came out, we were making another record, our follow-up record to the EP, which was going to be a big deal. Like uh, it was produced by Chris Stein from Blondie. I, I knew we had really good material, and it was sort of like that was going to be the big record. Like that one was sort of like okay, that was you know fine in '85 or whatever, but this new one. But then when we recorded the record, we just stunk. Like you know, the band just stunk. It wasn't Stein's fault. It wasn't anything. Um, it's just, I think the band was just, I don't know. It's just, you know, like sometimes you get magic, sometimes you don't. Well, most of it was recorded here in Montreal and then the vocals and the mixing and all that stuff was done at, uh, Chris and Debbie's place in New York. So I was there for, I don't know, it seemed like a month, at least sleeping on the floor for the, on the couch for, uh, while we were making that, the second one. But, um, it just, you know, when I got the mixes at the end, I was like, you know, like fighting back tears. It's like, this sucks. It's terrible. It's no one's fault but our own. Well, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I was, you know, my, you know, but the, this, it was just, just, just didn't happen. It just wasn't it. So that record never even came out. Well, no, what happened with Neon Bible? Like, so, 
so that was the big record. This is like 1987. And then it was just like determined that, well, this is not, it's going to do us more harm than good if we put it out. Now, that said, Chris Dine thought it was wonderful, but we didn't. Um, and I don't think the rest of the world would have either. Um, so, you know, we'd gotten a factor grant to do that. So, you know, I imagine, I guess that's still going, but, you know, we got, they sent us like $25,000 to make this record. So um, that was, you know, that was even, you know, it was 1986 or 87 or something. So that was a significant amount, even though records cost a fortune to make back then. Right. But anyways, so, yeah, so we just sat on the record and then we then I just redid it. Basically, it did like, you know, the newer songs and some redid some of the older songs and put it together. And then that just like we just languished. It's like it took us it took us a while to get the money together and everything to put together a second record, like a third record, really, because the second one was so shitty. We did it. We did a video for it as well. All roads lead to Babylon, and uh, and suddenly we were the biggest, not biggest thing, but everybody wanted the band. Everybody wants to sign. You know, all these different labels, like they're literally, literally begging us to sign with them. Which is a nice change because you know I've been around for a while by then. And it's like in most of my career, I've been met. You know, most of it was met with rejection. You know, so it's like okay, now all these fuckers want. You know, and they're offering us a lot of money and good terms and all sorts of stuff. So wonderful. We ended up signing with Polygram, which was the last label I wanted to sign with. I I, I didn't like them. I didn't think they were going to be good for us, and they weren't. And so that so. We recorded um, five or six songs down uh, at the record plant in New York on their dime. But um, then they just they just sat on the recordings, told us they, they didn't like us, um, but they wouldn't let us out of the contract. So we couldn't sign with anybody else. We were stuck with them for about a year and a half, and it was 18 months before we were even allowed to negotiate with another label. And... In those 18 months, that's a long time back then, you know, when you kind of needed a major label then, especially for not like us that weren't like, you know, we weren't a defined trend. You know, we weren't goth. We weren't a hardcore punk. We weren't electro pop. We were, you know, I mean, we're just whatever fuck we do, you know, some kind of rock and roll thing. So you really needed a major label. Anyway, so finally, after all that, when they finally were free and clear, almost two years of doing you know we were touring we were touring with meatloaf things like that just because we had to have something to do you know um i I mean i can sort of see the theatricality but in all other senses it just seems like a very different crowd at least oh yeah yeah it was that was yeah it was and uh like we are, we were managed in the United States. Our our booking agency was a William Morris agency, and they had a lot of clout and they had a lot of bands. But you know, at this point, we're talking about a band that put out one EP three years ago. That and we're in a we're in a you know a Woody Allen film. But it's like it's kind of old news, you know. So you know, we're not doing any headline tours in the united states uh, although we could have done it in canada and we probably did still do it in canada but with dwindling audiences you know so they would just throw us out like they'd say we would need something to do right like we're just sitting there we've got no record we're polygrams not letting us out of it we can't even we're not allowed to do anything so we just okay well we gotta you know gotta 
pay the bills and want to have something to do and a band kind of needs a reason to exist so um william morris would just put on these tours with you know anybody uh the psychedelic furs we toured with them meatloaf we did meatloaf twice and i actually got thrown off the meatloaf tour um <laughs> but you know surprisingly we did quite well with his audiences. And I didn't know if that was a good or a bad thing. Because like, it's like, you know, Milo to me was the antithesis. It was like, you know, and he's a dick too. I don't like him either. I can sort of see someone who appreciates, I don't know, like theatricality uh, and gets that from Meatloaf might like what you guys did as well. Well, you know, Meatloaf, the first starters of the show were endless. They're like three fucking hours. And they were always in secondary markets, like, you know, Manchester, New Hampshire, or you know, some Delaware, or some you know, college. They, you know, they were, they were, yeah. And you know, and we weren't making like big money. You know, maybe a thousand dollars a night or something. You have to pay everything, whatever. You know. But um, on the second time we went out with Meatloaf, and again, we only did it because we had nothing else to do. It's like, all right, we'll go out with fucking meatloaf again. At least, you know, we'll be busy. One of those dates was at the Ritz in New York City. And the Ritz was a really big venue um, in New York, and people knew us in New York City. And we had a reputation in New York City. And I didn't want to sell it <laughs> by being on a bill with meatloaf. Like, the lamest thing going. It was not an association we really wanted. So I sort of was kind of dreading the New York date anyways. So a couple of nights before it, um, we were in, I don't know, Connecticut or Boston or, you know, somewhere, somewhere nearby. And Meatloaf used to get before a show, they would get the whole band together and they'd sort of like a football huddle. And you go, what are we going to do? Rock! What are we going to do? Rock! And, you know, our dressing room was right next door and the walls were paper thin. And every time we'd hear this, it's just like our eyes would draw. It's like, oh, man, can they get any lamer, you know? Um, anyway, so one time before we were going on or whatever, our one of our roadies started imitating them. What are we going to do? Like making fun of them. And Meatloaf overheard it. And this was just the worst. How dare they make fun of me, the headliner? I'm Meatloaf, you know? It's like, who are these fucking punks that think they're, you know... How dare they? They're not playing the Ritz with me. They're not playing the New York date. Because that was a big date to him. Like, you know, where I was dreading it, that was the big date on the tour for him. Um, and so they threw us off the tour. And it was like, I oh, no problem. Thank you very much. So that's where that happened. And then, as you were asking about the Neon, neon Biomall, so... We'd done all these takes. We had these. We did these recordings for Polygram. We had stuff that we'd done with Chris Stein, other things as well. And after the band had split up, we still owed the government twenty five thousand dollars because we never put out the record that they paid for. So you know, we were being managed by um, Joan Jett's uh, company at that time, and Joan has her own label, right, Blackheart. So basically, just as a favor, Joan always liked the band. She was always a big supporter. That's true. You know, and she was a friend and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, but they basically just put out that record. The band had split up for like two years. And then they just put it out because, well, oh, because they were coming after the management to pay the $25,000 back. Not me, because they never would have gotten it. So the man said, oh, okay, well, if we just put out this record, some kind of record with them, then we won't have to pay back this money to the government. That's right. 
So that's that's the only reason that came out, you know. And there was a video for it and everything, but I mean, there was you know zero promotion, uh, zero zero promotion, and there was no band. I was already in a different band by then, you know. And it is true because when it did come out, and because it was uh, you know going out through uh, RCA, so much music played it, like you know we were like on hot, heavy rotation and stuff like that. So a lot of people saw it, and in in Toronto. The single was number one on CFNY. No, I'm not number two. Number one. 